Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Art. I'm Diana Warbicki, the global head of the Withers Art Law Group, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I have the pleasure of asking art-related questions to my Withers colleagues from around the globe. With me today is Xanthi Locke, a partner from our London office, and Patricia Lee, a partner from our Greenwich, Connecticut office. Both Xanthi and Pat have a wealth of experience advising clients on banking and corporate finance issues. Today, we'll be focusing on art financing and loans. Before we begin our discussion, I would like to remind you that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal advice. Hello, Xanthi. Hello, Pat. Hi there. I think it's always helpful to start with a little bit of background and give listeners some context. Art loans, and when we talk about art loans, we're talking about bank loans with art as collateral. Generally, the offerings that we see are two types of structures. Pat, would you mind walking us through those two different types of structures? Structure number one is where the lender is looking at the total credit of the borrower, their total assets, and they are lending based on the total credit of the borrower in the art. However, if they're in event of default, the lender could then go against any assets of the borrower. The second type is where the lender agrees that if there's an event of default, it will only take action against the piece of art that is the collateral. They will take that art and use it to repay them, but they will not take any other action against the borrower or any of the borrower's assets. Typically, what we're seeing is that the larger banks are looking to assets outside of the art in an event of default, whereas some of the boutique firms that are providing this type of service will feel comfortable that they can just look to the art in an event of default. We have both options available to us in the U.S. Xanthi, what are you finding in the UK in terms of the availability of the two options? It's quite similar in the UK as well. There are the private banks who uh, take the big picture. They look at the assets under management, and the art is only one facet of their collateral pool. They will lend against all the assets of their clients, including the art. But there are also, as you said, the, the boutique lenders, the specialist lenders who specialize in lending against art, and they will actually be more focused on individual pieces of art and taking the security over that. And if things do not go quite to plan, then they will enforce against the particular pieces of art that are subject to security. You both work on a number of financing deals. Are there any nuances that you can talk to us about that relate to financing with art loans and art collateral? With art, the lender is always looking at what is the value of the collateral that they are lending against. And lenders see that art is inherently something that can change value. It can be because that particular type of art is no longer in vogue or the art market itself. We find that lenders will only lend roughly 50% of the loan to value, and they will require yearly appraisals. 
It's interesting that you mentioned appraisals, Pat, and this 50% loan-to-value concept because I know that we've encountered this a number of times. The appraiser is an appraiser that is selected by the bank, and there can be some input from the borrower, but ultimately the decision is going to be the bank's decision as to who they're comfortable with when collectors are thinking about using contemporary art as collateral for loans, they should keep in mind that these appraisals may at times come out to be a little bit lower. Something to think about when selecting what type of art you want as collateral. Provenance is also extremely important and the diligence that lenders are going to do to understand the history of ownership of a particular piece of art is they are, of course, concerned that there might be an ability for a country to claim that this is a national treasure or for there to be a claim that this was confiscated in World War II or some other way. So that because of all these proactive laws, which could strip ownership of a piece of art from someone who has never done anything wrong. The piece of art has a tainted history. You also have to expect the lender is going to do some significant diligence. Xanthi, are there any additional complexities that you're seeing with regard to financing as it relates to art specifically? Pat has talked about provenance, which is the front end of the transaction, but the lenders will also be looking at how they're going to exit. So they want to be sure that there is actually a market for this art, that if they were to enforce, be able to, to sell it and then get the proceeds to repay the loan. Because art is quite a unique form of asset, and requires quite a lot of protection and conservation, lenders generally will require minimum value of the art before they'll even consider it. So the the ballpark is probably around 1.5 million US dollars before they'll start considering whether a piece of art should be a form of collateral for their loans. You mentioned, Xanthi, the exit strategy, and this we see come up quite a bit when we look at provisions in a loan agreement that typically in a financing situation, death would be an event of defaults. But in a scenario where art is collateral for a loan and the borrower may very well have been looking to have the art sold to pay back the loan, that puts us in a very difficult position given that with art as a unique asset, this is not something that you can just sell the next day. That is something in terms of exit strategy that we look at differently for art financing. Another way in which art can be used is as a tool in an estate administration. If there are, for example, large taxes that have to be paid, you can borrow against the art to pay these taxes while determining whether you're going to sell some of it or if some of it's going to stay in the estate or not. That's a really good point, Pat. We're not looking at these art loans in isolation. We're looking at art loans combined with other types of issues that we're working on with clients. One additional unique issue that we're seeing with regard to the art is possession. A lot of collectors would like to get some liquidity from this illiquid asset. We'll take out a bank loan with the artist collateral, but would also love to keep that art on their wall. And that's something that we see that we're able to accommodate more on the U.S. side. Pat, can you tell us why that is? The United States has got a Uniform Commercial Code, which permits a lender to file a financing statement against a particular borrower 
listing that piece of art as being something against which they have a lien. That gives them the full protections of the Uniform Commercial Code. If they have to call a default and enforce on the loan, they should be able to get possession of that piece of art. They should be able to sell that piece of art. And they can be assured that the borrower can't sell that piece of art without the lien continuing in the art. They have significant protections without needing to have actual possession. Xanthi, we have collectors who are very surprised when they're used to that type of structure on the U.S. side and they look to get a loan outside of the U.S. That is not necessarily a benefit that they may be able to get. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's different? Taking security is governed by the law of where the asset's located. And so if the art is located in England, the art would actually be subject to a security that's known as a pledge. And in England, a pledge is actually a possessory security rather than a security that's created by a document. By possessory security, we mean that the lender will take physical possession of the art. And in practice, what that normally involves is that the art will be moved into a storage warehouse and the storage warehouse will then hold the art on behalf of the lender. The lender then gets the comfort of knowing that the art is kept in a secure location, climate controlled, and therefore their asset is preserved. That's a stark difference based on jurisdiction of where you're taking out the loans that collectors should be thinking about when they're considering art loans. And the three of us have worked together for the last few years on a number of these transactions. And there was an article a few months ago by The Economist that reflected what we're seeing, that barring against art is up, they said, about 13% from the previous year. What do you think is driving that? Is that borrowing against art specifically is what we think is on the rise or is this part of a larger trend of bank loans and leveraging your assets just in general being something high net worth individuals are considering? There's a change in how collectors are viewing their art. Art is, of course, a passion. And a lot of collectors come from the finance world And they have a different viewpoint. This is a view that we should be unlocking the value of the assets, especially if we can continue to use the assets exactly the way we want to. Santhi, do you think that the reason for the growth is similar on your end or is it general growth? And another thing that commentators anticipate that there will be even more growth in Europe and potentially other sectors with regard to borrowing against artwork. Any thoughts on why that might be? The U.S. market in terms of art loans is more developed, but in reality, in Europe, there is actually quite a lot of very wealthy individuals who have large collections of art, and they've now come to realize that they've got an asset which they can then use for other purposes. If they actually lend against it, they can fund their own businesses or buy further art. But there's also another trend, which is the philanthropic end of the market, where individuals are realizing that they can actually borrow to acquire art and then it's actually for the the greater good of the nation or the public just to get a bit more knowledge about art and culture. Well, Xanthi, Pat, thank you for giving us some insight into these trends. We will keep an eye out to see how they affect art lending in the future. 
It's been a pleasure discussing this Our Law topic with you. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for listening. And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out.